Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Well, some of you are saying, where's Pete? Um, here's the thing. Friday, I got a text from Pete at about noon saying, I'm not feeling well. You best get to studying. I don't know if I'm making it. So I got done with what I was supposed to do on Friday and got to studying. And I'm thankful for the privilege of being able to bring you the word this morning. But please pray for Pete as he's not feeling well. I'm thankful for this team. I'm thankful for Pastor Justin, for Pastor Pete, for a team where we can be there for one another. And that in the midst of that, we know God's going to do it. Amen? There you go. Prayers of righteous people avail with much. So if you guys will get at it, that would be helpful. It's Thanksgiving week. A lot to be thankful for, right? I got a call from Corvallis. We just started a most excellent way in Corvallis down at Redemption Church, Brian Bernard's, Bryce and Julie's son, his church down there. And that's, that's awesome. But I got a text from Brian last night saying this. Two weeks ago, they had a lady come in to the most excellent way, and she was high. She was lit. The week later, she came to know Christ. This morning, right now, she's getting baptized. Thank you, God. God is meeting people where they're at. Every person, he wants to meet them where they're at. 13 years ago, February of about 13 years ago, right? I'm trying to find Matt, right? Is that about right? I was, I was in a hospital room with Matt Macera. He had a bullet hole through his kneecap, right through his leg. I sat there with him, looking at him as they would not give him painkillers because of what he had been about for quite a few years with regards to his drug use. So he had a bullet hole through his knee. They were not giving him anything before surgery. I sat with him the whole time, uh, holding his hand, praying for him, talking with him as best could until he went to surgery. And I was looking at his kneecap and the bullet hole was like right through the middle of the kneecap. And I kept looking at it and he said, no, I was cleaning the gun. It actually went off. And, and I kept thinking, that angle doesn't look right. I don't know how you get a bullet hole right through the middle of your kneecap. See, here's the thing. Matt was so desperate for drugs, he put a bullet through his knee to get them. And he could not be honest about where he was at in his life in that moment with me. Because I told him, the angle doesn't look right. He goes, no, 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 really. It was, and I, you know what I did? I just got gentle with him and I sat there and went, Lord God, you know what's really going on here? I do not. Man, I love this young man. 13 years ago. The, the guy we just commissioned to go down to Dominican Republic. Miracles are in this room right now. And guess what? God loves you. Right now, the same way that he drew Matt out of that darkness, he wants to do for every human being, over 7 billion in the world, he wants that relationship. And if we understand the passage we're about to look at, if we understand this passage well, what it says here, you can have an abiding, close relationship with the living God moment by moment every day. I'll guarantee you that. If any of you are doubting, by the time we get done, you can come up to me and say, still doubting, and I'm going to say, I'll pray for you just like I prayed for him with a bullet through his knee. Good? I make you that promise on Thanksgiving week. Here we are. For years, I've been ministering to people who have been tempted to believe that there's no way God wants them. They're too far gone. They're too, too out of it. There's no Savior that wants them. For years, I've been ministering to people. And the beauty is when they see this passage, or if you want to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, We're going to look at verses 14 through 510. 
when they see this, they can come to the conclusion that Matt Masera came to. And here's the conclusion he now says. Isn't the most easiest person, this is from his mouth, to make right with is the one who knows all of your crud to the depths of who you are and still says he loves you and come to me. Shouldn't that be the easiest person to make right with? So when we come to God, the Father, having come to Christ as Savior, and he's our great high priest, not just a high priest, a great, the great, the only high priest, and he is the king, and we come to him, and we trust what this passage is going to say to us, we can then, every moment, day by day, trust the fact that the easiest being in all the universe to come to is the one who sees everything about you and still says, come. Now obey my word. Listen to me. You there in uh, Hebrews? Verse 14, here we go. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed in matters pertaining to God for the people to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he is also clothed with weakness. Because of this, he must make an offering for his own sins as well as for the people. No one takes this honor on himself. Instead, a person is called by God just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not exalt himself to become a high priest, but God who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten, I have become your father. Also saying in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. During his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was the son of God, he learned obedience from what he suffered. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And he was declared by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. That passage is powerful. And there's a lot there. So as you're praying for me, I'm going to try to be done in another 35 minutes. Because there's a lot there. But isn't the easiest person in all the universe to get right with is the one that says come? Did you notice how the passage starts with therefore? That tells you to back up and look at why it's therefore, right? So as we're, as we're working through that, the, the key is Pastor Justin and Pastor Pete have done a great job of laying out Hebrews for us, and I love it. I count it a great privilege to be with you all doing this, but I, they have been doing a stellar job. I just love sitting under their teaching. And as I'm about to bring you God's word, I want to quickly state this before we look at that therefore, that I've seen, there's five statements in your notes. It's this, Jesus sympathizes with your human weaknesses. Jesus wants you to approach his throne confidently. Jesus does not hold your ignorance against you as you come in faith. Jesus will dispense grace and mercy in your time of need. Jesus is the best high priest, the best king, so cling to him tenaciously. 
Our text begins with therefore and in light of what we said. Remember what Pastor Justin and Pastor Peter have been bringing us earlier in the text in chapter 3 and 4 several times. It says, so today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. He's bringing you his, he's bringing you his words, so listen up. Because there was a group of people, the Israelites, who were set free from Egypt, it says in chapter 3 and 4. And right away they started rebelling against God. They would not listen to his voice. And so for 40 years they traveled and many died in the wilderness, and a whole other generation got to go in, but that other first generation did not because they would listen to his voice. They would not obey him, even though he had done so many amazing things. As you back up in the text, that's what it says. Therefore, as those people who rebelled would not obey his voice, today, you, reader, today, you, listener, for the word of God, he's saying, therefore, the word of God is living and active. Because of all that, another therefore shows up right before our text, The word of God's living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, or you could translate that scalpel. It's able to pierce through bone and marrow. It's able to look into your heart. It's able to judge what's going on in here. He sees it all, and he wants you to do business with him about it all, and he welcomes you to do business with it all. And so now, understand this. You have a great high priest who sympathizes with your weaknesses, who is tempted in every way as you have been. I'm talking to you right now. Tempted in every way as you have been, and yet he did not sin. So that you can come with confidence, the term there is boldly, sure that he's going to listen to you right now today to receive mercy and find grace in your time of need. That term time of need has this connotation. In the nick of time, right when you need it, he's there for you. How many of you right now need somebody to show up in the nick of time for you. You've got something going on. You need God to show up in the nick of time. He's saying, come to, come to him today. He loves you. Jesus does sympathize with your weaknesses, so listen to his voice for healing. Let it happen. In light of all this, let's back up in time. Adam was created to have a relationship with God. Having been made in his image, I don't know what it's like to have your first breath be that which was breathed into you by your creator, but Adam did. He was made to cultivate and keep the garden. God gave him a wife. He was to nurture her and cherish her and lead her, and they were supposed to have communion with God face to face. Relationship. They could could be with him. And then the serpent showed up one who had pride that was cast away from God because of his pride, and he duped them into selfishness. And their, and their relationship was broken with God. And from that point forward, as you get into Genesis chapter 3, God starts pointing forward to one who will come and crush Satan's head, one who would come and take care of the sin problem of man, one who would come through the seed of a woman. From that point forward, Genesis 3, one who would come. And Jesus has come. And as we're recognizing this, you see within the first four humans then that sin had entered the human race. This guarantee was coming, but the firstborn was Cain, and he's a murderer. It shows quickly how sin brings into the human race a depth of depravity, a weakness, selfishness. Me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity runs the show. And so... You see that as the second sum comes out, he's a shepherd, a good shepherd, 
who has relationship with God. Never miss that picture. Within the first four humans, the depths of depravity come out and one who's a shepherd, who sacrifices right, who when God says bring sacrifice, he brought an animal that he, that he cared for, that he raised, and he poured out his blood for his own sins before God. Cain wouldn't do that. Cain wanted relationship with God the way he wanted relationship with God. So he brought a different sacrifice. He brought that of the earth, the dirt, and he brought it to him. And God says, no, that's, that's not it. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Look to your brother Abel. There's an example. But he looks at Cain because Cain's face falls, it says. His, he got downcast. He got discouraged. I want God to do it my way. And God said, sin is crouching at the door and it's, it desires you. First four humans. Cain did not listen. He rebelled and he said, Abel, let's have a talk. And he killed Abel and hid the body. And we know he hid the body because God comes to Cain and says, where's your brother? Sin takes us there. That kind of depth, right? And you have a great high priest who sympathizes with human weakness to that depth. Because as Cain's blood cried out from the dirt, God says, I, or Abel's blood cried out from the dirt. I hear his blood crying out to me. Christ's blood was shed for you on that cross. This picture comes all the way down the timeline of the good shepherd, the great high priest, the awesome king who's showing up in time and space to take care of our sin problem. That picture, that good shepherd. Jesus has understood mankind's weaknesses from the beginning. He lived 33 years of perfect life on this earth and so he can come as your great high priest who looks at you and says, I not only understand you. Now, the priest that, that for Israel, he would go through the courtyard, he would go into the holy place, and then once a year, he would get to go into the holy of holies, once a year, to make sacrifice for the, the sins of Israel and for himself. Nobody else got to do that. The high priest got to do that once a year. But as blood is being shed continuously for people's sins, the priests did that. Jesus went through the air, the atmosphere, the first heaven. He went through the starry spaces, it says in this text. And then he resides in the third heaven, outside time and space, with the Father, sitting on the throne, having accomplished everything you need for you to come with confidence to that throne of grace. Isn't that good news? I, it doesn't matter. So here's the bottom line. The high priests in the, in the age of Aaron and forward, right? When you get into the Levitical system, the law doesn't come, you know, for a long time. Once Abraham comes, it's another 400 plus years. We're going to get into that. But in that system, the priests did the slaughtering of the animals on behalf of the individuals. Under Christ, he was pierced through for your transgressions. He was, he was scourged for your iniquities. He is the great high priest who has paid it all and now sits in the third heaven in the holy place that's beyond the greatest holy place. And he lives to make intercession for you. If you know him, he prays for you. How that all works outside time and space? It does. I watch miracles happen every week. <laughs> Me standing in front of you, I know, is God. There's no way I could do this without him. And no matter how weak we are, he sympathizes with those weaknesses. I hope you're encouraged by that. As a great high priest and a king, he sympathizes with you. So what he wants you to understand then is as he does heart surgery on you, 
He wants you to continuously never think that you cannot come to his throne confidently. Jesus wants you to approach his throne confidently. If we're back in Genesis, as we talked about Adam and Cain and Abel and everything that unfolded there, we jump forward to Genesis chapter 12, and God calls a man named Abraham to come to a new land. Abraham was in Ur of the Chaldeans, a wicked land, and he says, Abraham, you go here. And Abraham said, I will go. And so he goes. And according to the word of God, because he had that kind of faith, you go, he went, righteousness. God looks at Abraham and says, you're righteous because of your obedience. Abraham goes. His nephew Lot left with him, but Lot decided to camp right next to Sodom. He decided to go and be within a wicked city. Abraham did not do that. Abraham stayed away from that. He he didn't go near the wickedness of Sodom. Then kings came and attacked Sodom and took away Lot and all of his family and all of his stuff and all that Sodom had. These kings take everything and off they go. And Abraham chose 300 men and chased them down. And with his 300 men, because God was on his side, he defeated those wicked kings. He brings back Sodom's stuff and Lot and all of his stuff. And the king of Sodom comes out to honor Abraham and says, here, this is the way I want to honor you. He says, no, I don't want anything that you have. I didn't do it for you. He rejects that. I don't want your stuff. I don't want your money. I reject that. But then another king comes out to him. The king of Salem, it says there in the text, Genesis 14. This king is also a great, well, a high priest. Jesus is the great high priest. This king is a high priest and a king in Salem, the ancient name for Jerusalem that is not the capital of Israel yet. That hasn't happened yet. This is 100 years away. This king comes down to honor Abraham and he receives it because this king, this high priest was from God. And Abraham then gives a tenth of everything he has back to that king, that high priest, honoring God. That's the name in your text today. Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the high priest from Salem, a combination of both. But no, we don't have Aaron and the high priest yet. That's hundreds of years away. We don't have the law yet, hundreds of years away. There's no Levitical system. There's no sacrificial system, hundreds of years away. But God placed a high priest that he chose on this earth to also be king so that there would be a symbol for us to look at all the way down the timeline to say, Jesus is in that order. I've chosen him. He is now, as my son, your king and your high priest, come to him. You can then go to him confidently. All of that's been accomplished. That picture of a throne in verse 16 of chapter 4, that's a kingly throne. You have a high priest who has paid for all of your sins and is sitting on a kingly throne and never when you come into his presence as you come to him humbly, as you come to him telling everything, leaving nothing out is the way that term says. As you come to him, you come to him and you share everything with him. Because did you notice? He already knows. There's nothing we're hiding from God. And he still loves you, but he wants you to get right. He wants you to be washed. He wants you to know you're washed and he doesn't ever want you to stop knowing you're washed. So you come to him and that connotation there in coming to him is ongoing, moment by moment. Don't stop coming is the way that term is. In our text, he wants you to approach confidently. He'll never turn you away.
Now in that, Jesus does not hold your ignorance then against you as you come in faith. Forgive them, Father, they know not what they do, Jesus cried out from the cross. As he hung there after being scourged, after having men nail him to that cross, he cried out, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Well, did you notice in the text it talks about how Jesus cries out, right? Yet high priest can sympathize with you because they're human, it says. They're human and they're all, they, they sin, and so that high priest will gently help you. But this high priest, it says, gave out cries. Remember the garden? He cried out, if it be your will, take this cup from me. I know what I'm about to face for mankind. If there's any other way to secure mankind's salvation, Father, let's do it that way. But not my will, your will be done. So when it says he learned obedience, he was obedient the whole time. But that moment in his humanness, the pain he was feeling, the discouragement as all of his disciples fell asleep, as he already knows they're going to scatter when Jesus shows up. He already knows that Peter's going to deny him. He's already challenged Peter. When you deny me and you come to your senses, strengthen your brother and Peter. You're going to do something that you say is no way you do it, but you're going to do it. As he's there in Gethsemane and he knows all of his men in their humanness, in their weakness, their frailty are going to run from him. He is crying out to the father, if there's any other way to do this, Lord, but not my will, your will be done. It's in our text. And so then he does not hold your ignorance against you as you come to him in faith. Remember, he's crying out and he knows Peter's over there asleep and he knows Peter's about to deny him. And he's already worked through, if you work through the four gospels with Peter, Peter, tonight you're gonna deny me three times. You're bragging to the men you never will. You will. And when you do, you're gonna hurt over it. And when you come to your senses, be about what I've called you to be about. I'll give you the spirit. He'll do it through you. Peter, you're going to get really discouraged, and then your heart's going to be mine, and everything's going to change. I understand you, and I'm not going to hold your ignorance against you. Here's the beauty also of that statement, that he understands the ignorance in us. Many times we'll sin not even knowing it's sin, true? You kind of do it, and then you realize later, oh, crud, I don't think I should have done that. That was a mistake. I can go straight to the throne of grace and receive grace and mercy in our time of need. But the beauty of this is you can have a man laying there intentionally shooting himself in the kneecap. The whole hospital knows that dude is only here to get drugs. And God says, you know, you were once foolish, disobedient, and deceived. You were serving various lusts and pleasures. You were living in malice. That's evil intent. Malice and envy. Hateful and hating one another. And you, son, right there with the, with the knee, I'm going to take you down the timeline. I'm going to make something special out of you. He doesn't just understand our ignorance. He looks at us in the depths of Cain and says, I want to rescue you. Will you let me? The only wedding I ever did that I brought up in the wedding as Anna was sitting there and, Pete and Matt was there and there once was a demoniac that lived amongst the tombs. At their wedding. Beauty and the Beast. And if you go back to that story, that demoniac living in amongst the tombs when he heard Jesus' voice found himself then sitting at Jesus' feet in his right mind saying, I just want to follow you. He went back to his village. By the way, he was a Gentile. He was not a Jew, that demoniac. And he went back to those Gentiles and started proclaiming the good news of Christ. 
He doesn't hold your ignorance against you as you come in faith. He doesn't hold the fact that you've run from him, disobeyed him. He says, you come to me, get real, say it the way it really is. Do not hold back anything, confess it all, and I will do it. So Jesus will then dispense grace and mercy in your time of need. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. This high priest king This great high priest king says for you to come and tell him the whole story. The intent of what he is saying is for you to keep coming every day, every moment. He will then dispense grace and mercy in your time of need. He will show up for you in the nick of time. He will do it. Don't be like the disciples that deserted him in the garden when Judas came. Don't be like that. Don't be like Israel that when they heard God's voice, saw all of those miracles, said, we still want our own way. Don't be like, as you back it up to the first four humans, Cain, who says, I really want God to be God my way. Don't be like that. Come straight to him, tell him the whole story, and he will meet you in your time of need with grace and mercy, and he'll never turn you away as you come humbly in faith. Amen? And if any of you doubt that right now, I'm challenging you right now to... Seek him, and you will find him. He stands at the door and knocks. Will you let him in? Don't harden your heart today. Listen to him and have new life. Getting this right changes everything. This text, if we understand what he's really saying here, changes everything. And when you go to chapter 5 then and look at this in verse 9, After he was perfected, now by the way, Jesus was fully God and fully man, and that perfected there. After he matured, and what it means is this, he matured in his goal. He matured to his mission. After he was perfected, he was scourged, pierced through, died, rose again. After he did everything he was sent to do, as you're looking at this, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. That's for us today the source of eternal salvation. Believe in him. Now listen to his voice today. He won't hold your ignorance against you and he will dispense grace and mercy in your time of need. This changes everything as we get this. Be more like Abel. Be more like Abraham. Be more like David. Be more like Peter after he received the spirit of God. None of us, have any of you ever thought this? I cannot do this. I am facing this and I cannot do this. Do you know that I had that thought this morning at 6.30? And I meant it. I do not depend upon talent to come in here and do this with you. I'm depending upon God's word and what he says that it will go forth and not come back void. Isaiah 55 says that. I'm trusting that. That's all I got. Either he's going to do this this morning with y'all and myself or he's not. So what's your issue? What are you tempted to think he doesn't, he can't do it? God raises the dead. Now, I'm telling you, if you had come to me when I was sitting next to that bed in the hospital years ago with Matt sitting there with, you know, his bullet hole in agony and said, hey, come out here for a second. Okay, don't tell him this, but in about 13 years, you're going to be commissioning him to go to the Dominican Republic. He's going to be totally changed. He's going to lead a ministry called Be Bold. He's going to be like one of your right-hand guys in the most excellent way. It's going to be awesome. You'll see. I'd be like, God raises the dead, but man, come on now. Jesus sympathizes with your human weaknesses. 
He wants you to approach his throne confidently. Jesus does not hold your ignorance against you as you come to him. Jesus will dispense grace and mercy in your time of need, just in the nick of time. Right now, he'll do it. And so, Jesus is the best, greatest high priest and the best king. So cling to him tenaciously. That's the word back in chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, that's verse 14, let us hold fast to our confession. As you believed on Christ, there will be the temptation to drift. Anybody ever felt it? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. As we are recognizing that in us, he is then saying, moment by moment, you cling to your confession of your belief in the gospel. You cling to your savior, this great high priest, this king that says come every moment. And if you haven't been, you know the best day to start? Today. That's the entire context of what we've been leading up to, therefore. It, it, wherever you've been, today's the day. And as we understand the Old Testament, and remember Justin told us a few weeks back the author of Hebrews assumed that we would have a working knowledge of the Old Testament for those who are reading this. So I'm going to encourage you to do that. Go back and read Genesis. Go back and read Exodus. And as you're working through Leviticus and you see things like you cannot eat skink and you, you think, I never wanted to. <laughs> you'll work through and you'll see a system of sacrifice that Jesus fulfilled completely and now past the third heaven sits in the Holy of Holies and you're going to get welcomed there one day. Jesus is superior to any of the angels. Jesus is superior to any priest. He's superior to any prophet. Jesus is superior to any king. There is no government that works apart from him. Everything is coming forward. As we're moving through time, every government that's ever existed is all pointing forward to the one king who will come. Jesus came the first time to take care of the sin problem of man. He comes the next time to take care of the government problem of man. Anybody think that's good news? As you conclude these things, as you see it, God wants you to cling to your Savior tenaciously. Hold fast. Things are going to be tough. Don't worry. Hold fast. It's okay if you start to worry, but you got to run to the right place. It's okay if, if you're getting a little anxious about something, but how do you be anxious for nothing? You run to the right place. You cling tightly to what he says about things. And if you don't know what he says about things, it's time to get to stepping, get to reading to what he says about things. And I'll say this too. I think that Bible project, you know that there's a, the Bible project is like a website you can line. They do little cartoon things and they work through the scriptures. I think it's great. So if you're looking and going, I tried to read the Bible. I can't understand it. Okay, get that. Get yourself an easy to read version. You know, if you're doing thousand deses and, you know, how be it? Okay, if that's getting... If, that's, if you can't read it, then you probably have a version you can't read very well. Get an easier to read version. But I'm telling you, there's all kinds of resources. We're blessed beyond belief to understand this now today with technology that can take you right to his word and understand things that you don't understand. They'll help you, but get into his word. As we conclude these things, this is a moment by moment holding fast. And, and the reality is, when Adam sinned, as we go back to what we talked about, he taught us all how to run behind bushes after you sin, to isolate from God, to hide from him because you're afraid how he's going to react. That's what he did, right? 
Then God has a conversation with them all and points forward to a Savior coming. Now, how about this? Jesus came so you never run away from God again. Jesus came so that you'll have complete access and never run, but run straight to. Because when he shed his blood for you, he already cried out, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. And he cried out, it is finished for you. Do you believe it? Because if you believe it, you can come confidently. And if you can come confidently, you can do that moment by moment. And you don't do what Adam did anymore. You do what Jesus has for you as his, this great high priest, this awesome king. Is there anything keeping you from running to the throne of grace? Let it go. Get real with God about it. This amazing life is found in the center of what we see here in these 13 verses. Well, that concludes the structured sermon. Here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to worship here in a minute, right? But at the end, we're going to have several people up here to pray with you. And if you, if you are hurting over something, there's something you're discouraged over, there's something that you know, I need to take it to the throne of grace. You can do it out yonder in your pickup truck. Whatever you want to do, you can do that alone. But if you'd like somebody to pray with you today, we will have pastors and staff up here to pray with you today. But I'll reiterate, if you understand what this is really saying, what we just looked at, this is a game changer that you can show up every moment. Showing up changes everything. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, awesome God, I thank you so much for these precious folks, for the reality of what your word says here, the truth. As we find ourselves drifting or doubting or being discouraged, may it be that as you're working in our hearts that we let it all go, surrender it all to you, that we might abide completely in Christ and bear much fruit for your Father, for your glory. May it be so. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.